is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand it off to Minter, hit in the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Touchdown, Scott! Underdog, and then one! Exclamation point! Now, your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholz and sports director Caleb Henry. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. It is a victory Saturday here on KLIN as Nebraska wins on a Friday night out in New Jersey. Two straight victories for Nebraska and head coach Mickey Joseph. And we are here to talk about it with you. Hit us up on the Facebook Live at KLIN Huskers. Uh, let us know your thoughts uh, on the game that was just mere hours ago. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Mac McMaster and Caleb Henry are there in studio. Uh, I'm here at home, and uh, we're making this happen. And uh, Caleb, I, 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 I just – the way that Nebraska has turned this around in such a short time – going from what happened against Oklahoma defensively to now two straight games where they don't give up a single point in the second half. It, it's, it's a pretty, pretty impressive turnaround what they've engineered so far through two games uh, after that bye week. Yeah, I think when we hear turnaround, though, we, we think something's gone from pretty bad to all of a sudden really good. Like the defense is not all of a sudden really good. They've They've done something that didn't get done the previous four years, though, like you said, especially after halftime, Cole, was there were adjustments made. Like Bill Bush and, and Mickey Joseph, the, the, the group of guys got together and they made adjustments. They saw what was working, what wasn't working, and obviously things got better in the second half. You have to go all the way back to the one touchdown that Oklahoma had in the second half to for, for the last points that were scored against the Huskers after halftime. And so you're... You're you're going back um, five plus quarters right now for for second half results, but yeah, it's you're just seeing a difference on the defense with with the grit and the the determination that they're playing with. That said, like things are still not great, you know. Like there still are ways. That very first drive, Noah Vedral hits him over the top, beats him with his legs. Yes, there was an obvious hold that was missed. And there were several holds throughout the night that were missed, but you can't count on that. Like you still have to have guys there. If you are dependent on one guy being one place at all times, then your defense isn't set up with uh, set up for success. That it just takes beating that one guy, right? So yeah, yeah. There, there, there's still a lot that this defense can do, and no Rutgers. Indiana last week, they're not offensive juggernauts. You're going to see much tougher competition, but they got the job done. They did what was needed to just get the win. And it doesn't matter if you win 49 to 7 or if you win 14 13, you still won the game. I, I think the indicative uh, part to me is not the, not that, like you said, Indiana and Rutgers are not going to blow people away offensively, but looking at the first half, and then looking at the second half mm-hmm. and seeing what they did against the same offense with the same defense. Rutgers first half, 263 yards, 6.4 yards per play, and did not turn it over once. 13 points. Then in the second half, only 85 yards, only 3.1 yards per play, and the three interceptions forced. That's a that's we from from a from a program that has struggled to uh, finish the job after they might have a decent start to all of a sudden doing what is needed in the second halves of back-to-back Big Ten games, one on the road where you hadn't won since the last time you took a trip out to New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, that part of it is impressive to me. And offensively, too, uh, the the flip from the first half to the second half, Indiana was not as stark, obviously, but this Rutgers game yesterday, Casey Thompson in the first half was not terrible, but it was not good. Uh, the, the two interceptions, uh, they, they did move a little bit on, on a couple of drives, but just couldn't finish the thing off. In the second half, on third down, 
Casey Thompson was seven for seven for 57 yards. Didn't convert on all of those, uh, but he still moved the ball forward. He was still getting the job done in terms of, of maintaining possession where he could. A couple of those were a third and long after penalties or sacks. And, and yes, Rutgers bailed Nebraska out in a couple of places with some bad throws and the, the un- unnecessary roughness penalty on Oliver Martin as well. Uh, but I, I think you see a different level of belief. Uh, Mickey Joseph said it postgame, Matt, uh, the way that Nebraska maybe believes that they can win now when they didn't think they could before. That part of it has, I think, been fundamentally changed within that locker room. And it, all it took... You know, Scott Frost would always say this, oh, we just, need, we just need that one. Well, he never went and made it happen. Mickey Joseph is out here playing Brandon Moore and Malcolm Hartzog as his two, as his two cornerbacks. <laughs> or, I mean, he's, he's out there making it happen. And I think that mentality has changed in the locker room to where they believe they can win games. Yeah, I think a big thing, too, is when you look at, you know, I've been to all these press conferences and every, every single word that Mickey Joseph has said to the, to the Nebraska media, I've been there to listen to, and I think a big thing is, is, and the number one message that he sent is the players, the players, the players, believing in yourself, uh, you know, changing the mindset that they can finish these games, that they can win these games, and that, that's been his number one message, it's been his focal point, and it's so interesting and, and honestly quite amazing to see it come to fruition, because in these second halves, right, They've believed in themselves when the first half gave them every reason to not believe in themselves. Down 13 to 0 in the first half, they 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 played terribly on offense, turnovers turning into points, blocked punt turning into points. Um they got absolutely gashed on the first series of the game and none none of the player none of the defensive players looked good on that first series. I mean there were multiple mistakes and multiple guys in the wrong position, some getting stiff-armed out of the way, but they believed in themselves and they were able to bounce back. In the second half against Rutgers, same thing against Indiana. They held, I think they held a 27 or 21 to 7 lead at one point in that game. And Indiana quickly scored two touchdowns to, to tie the game going into the second half. They had every reason to kind of fall on, on their sword and be like, all right, here we go. Like, this is what it's been. But no, I mean, two weeks in a row, this defense has been the defense that I think we, we thought it would be to begin the season. It's a defense that, you know, the front seven is there. It puts you within games. Maybe that, that secondary is a little bit inexperienced, but they're playmakers and they're athletic and they can get you turnovers and they can keep you within games. And the last two weeks, that's exactly what they've done. Um, I think Caleb kind of alluded to it at the end of the day. It's Rutgers in Indiana, you know, but if we're looking at these next six games, plus you have a bye week in between Purdue and Illinois. These two games aren't necessarily the resume builders for Mickey Joseph, and they're not necessarily the two games that are going to make this team get to a bowl game or win the Big Ten West, but they're the two games that get the momentum going. The two games that get get the, the, the wheels rolling under you to start believing that, hey, we can take some games against Purdue, Illinois, Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Iowa. These are the games that you weren't able to win the last four years. Absolutely. It's a, it's a different mindset. And I need to caveat a lot of... I'm going to be very positive about the team today. I'm going to be very. Po- I won't. If you're going to, no, no, I will. No, 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 no. It's not going to be all sunshines and rainbows. Sure, but I'm, I'm going to be very positive about the things that have gone well. And I'll and I'll but, I'll hit you with some negatives because I feel like we need a little push no, and pull. No, here. no, 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 no. What I'm going to say right now is sure. Rutgers absolutely imploded last night. Absolutely. No, Nebraska just happened to be the team that did not implode. Yeah. Um. You had. Whatever that second half play calling was for Rutgers, they should have just been running the ball. You should have just kept Noah Vedrill out there, run the ball, and let him dink and dunk a little bit, and they would have been fine to just hang on to the ball, burn enough clock, and Nebraska's offense was not rolling enough to have much less clock to work with. Now, Nebraska still could have won. You still could have had some things go their way. Obviously, there were there were the interceptions that Nebraska was able to, to take advantage of, especially after the second one, when then you just go one play, Thompson over the top to Palmer in the end zone for 27 yards. 
But Rutgers mismanaged the absolute bonkers everything out of that second half. They mismanaged it from from their play calling. They mismanaged it from trying to with four minutes to go. I realized that that was actually a great spot to start calling those timeouts for Rutgers. It was so that's the way their offense works. But then to burn your third timeout when the clock is already stopped. Like what? What are what are you doing with any of that? And then M- Mickey Joseph absolutely managed the heck out of things. Perfect. Going back the other way, you you had this weird dichotomy of what Nebraska football has been the last four years, where all of a sudden your team is managing the clock in crunch time, perfect, and the other team is finding every way to not win the game. Like if you look back at Nebraska Northwestern. Nebraska had every opportunity to win the game, but it just seemed like, okay, Nebraska is going to find a way to not win this game. You had that same thing last night. Rutgers was going to find a way to not win that game. And Cole, I'll swing back to you in a second, but that penalty on Rutgers on, on that unnecessary roughness where you're, you just you're throw by, him, I mean, you're by if, the sideline, you just have to hold it. Just there. hold him, just push him. He's already out. I mean, if this if Nebraska did that, that would be what we let off with on this podcast. That'd be the number one thing on on Sports Talk Radio for the for the next couple of days is that penalty. But it just when that happened, I was like, Oh my God, it's not Nebraska who did that. With that, with the roughing the passer, just yeah. constantly Nebraska got bailed out on penalties. That yeah. extended drives that put him in a good position to go. Rutgers was the one imploding, not Nebraska. Yeah, and it's and it's and it's good to see. And like we said, look, it's all about Mickey. Was all about believing and believing in yourself is thinking that you, you're not going to make those mistakes and being dumb towards the end of the game like they have in the past. Here's where all of the positivity I think should come from when you're talking about this program right now. This is all relative. What have they done recently and what is changing and what direction is that change going in? Nebraska won a game because the other team made the critical fourth quarter mistakes. They burned the timeout that they shouldn't have burned. They threw the terrible pass when they had to get it down into field goal range. They made the critical penalty uh, when they did the unnecessary roughness, throw out of bounds, Oliver Martin. That is the that's that's the thing that's encouraging because Nebraska has that has been the hallmark. Big Ten coaches know that they could just wait out a Scott Frost team, and eventually that Scott Frost team would shoot their own foot and and make that critical error in the end of the game, and that would hand the victory to them. All they had to do was wait. All of a sudden now, Nebraska is winning a close game for the first time in 11 tries. Nebraska is winning in a come-from-behind fashion for the first time since they won a game on the road, which was in Rutgers in December of 2020. (laughs) Nebraska is winning back-to-back Big Ten games for the first time since 2018. It's all relative. I understand, Matt, and I agree with you that a lot of this needs to be, you know, yeah, but... But this is something that we haven't seen from this program for, in some cases, half a decade. So that part of it is what's got me fired up. Indiana, Rutgers, whoever they beat, there's still there's still games that they were losing last year. There's still games they were losing in 2020 and 2019 and 2018 against teams that they quote-unquote should have beaten. The fact that they did win those two games these last two weeks, that is real, tangible progress. And that is something worth being excited about if you follow this program. Yeah, I think if, I don't know, reading between the lines just a little bit, it's you sit back and you see Bill Bush and you see Mickey Joseph take over this program. And I know it's just not them, but those have been, you know, your D coordinator, your offensive coordinator, your coach, so Mark Whipple as well. And they've all kind of taken a step back and look at this program and said, what's the problem? And Bill Bush said, well, we're being too complicated on defense. So let's get our, our cleats in the ground and let's play more simple and let's get guys to the ball. And Mickey took a step back and he's not calling the offensive plays. He's really just managing the game. But as a as a emotional leader, he said this team needs to believe in themselves. And he has put that message. I mean, it just seems different. You want another positive? It just seems different. It just seems like they're happy. Like, like not that they weren't unhappy to play, but it just seems like there's a little bit more pep in the step. And like, they're quicker off the ball. And they're more confident in what they're doing. Heck, 
They've gotten sacks in the last two games. That's something that they didn't even do against Georgia Southern, and, and they barely did it against North Dakota. I mean, there's just, there's just something different in the water right now with the team. At the end of the day, though, as my job to be the negative Nancy, it's, it's you know, it's Rutgers in Indiana. And when we were sat here at the preseason, Caleb, you had eight wins. I had eight wins. Cole, you had five. You and I both looked at each other, Caleb, and said, yeah, Indiana and Rutgers, those are two basically guaranteed wins. Those are two teams that you're better than. Those are two teams that have gone under a lot of turmoil in the last two years. And I will I, say I didn't say guaranteed wins. I, I said did. those are teams that those you should that win. That you should win, sure. Yes. I said guarantee. And I'm pretty sure Cole said they, they, they we'd beat, or Nebraska beat them too. But at the end of the day, I think my main point is we got to stop looking at things in the eyes of the previous regime and what things used to be. And look at them as what they are now and what they are in terms of every college football team is, okay, you had a team that was inferior than you, you beat them in a close game, rinse, repeat, that's what you're supposed to do. I, I'm just saying, at some point, I, and I know what I totally agree with Cole that, said. That point's not this season, though. That point's when you have a fully new coaching staff next year, even if that includes parts of this staff, because the makeup of the team is still the same. I, the, I, the players are still the same. There was every opportunity in the first quarter for Nebraska to fold in on itself and the game to be 100% lost. But because you have different leadership, they're working on that mindset. So well, it is sure, sli- sure. So slightly different. Absolutely. That's, but the that's makeup what of your The yeah. makeup of your team, the players that are out there day-to-day, and thank God you've got all these transfers who haven't yeah. been part of that, but there was every opportunity in the first quarter for Nebraska to have lost the ball game. But what I'm saying is that, and it, and it has more to do with the Mickey Joseph question and whether or not has he propelled himself to be a candidate to be the next head coach is it the the things have to be looked at the same way for every single person and when Lance Lapold or or Matt Campbell or one of these coaches that you're looking at when they win a close game you're gonna be like all right they beat an inferior opponent you know or they or they've done this or when they beat a big opponent you're like holy holy crud they did this and they did that at some point we just have to move on from Scott Frost, and we just have to move on from things what they once were and look at them what they are now. I totally agree with the points you're saying, but they beat Indiana and Rutgers. I'm not ready to drink the Kool-Aid. I want to revisit your inferior uh, descriptor there when we come back, Matt, because uh, that's something that's kind of interesting. We got more to come. Uh, We're going to talk about Mickey Joseph and his candidacy potentially for the permanent job. Uh, We'll hit some volleyball. Uh, we've got some other things that we want to touch on as well. Uh, get your comments in on the Facebook Live at KLIN Huskers. Uh, you can text into the, the text line too, 402-479-1400. Tell us what you thought of the win. Uh, we're right back after this with more here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red, this is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Nebraska 14, Rutgers 13. That was the final last night. We're here to react to it here on your Saturday morning. Matt McMaster and Caleb Henry are over there. I'm Cole Stukenholz. Kenny Larrabee's got us on the Facebook Live. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. And at KLIN Huskers. And, and guys, I want to talk about Mickey Joseph more. Uh, we, we touched on it a little bit in that first segment, but the way he has changed the mentality uh, is one thing that we've touched on. But more than that, uh, the, there's been personnel changes. There's been uh, just different, different, different schedules. I mean, as simple as it is, uh, just changing something in the day-to-day. Uh, he, he made a change at defensive coordinator. Trev Alberts gave him the freedom to 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 do what he needed to do, and he's made a couple of 
uh, made a couple of impactful changes. And whether he's a candidate for the, the big job is, is maybe a separate conversation to me, but just evaluating what he's done so far uh, is really impressive. He had the bye week, so he had the two-week uh, ramp up to, to get everything kind of in his image, if you will, for that Indiana game. Turn around, quick trip out to New York, New Jersey for uh, that game last night. And to be able to help these players figure out ways to win for them to find a way to build in some resiliency uh, and some resolve into the team in, in that short amount of time, knowing what they had uh, in, in Scott Frost and, and all the things that have come out since then, that's the part that's impressive to me. Regardless of who they've been playing, they've shown real change is possible in that short amount of time. Long term, how sustainable? Not sure. But in the short term, uh, pretty impressive stuff for Mickey Joseph. So, first thing with Mickey, and I'm let's evaluate it first without the idea of what that job is long term. Let's just evaluate what it is at face value his first month on the job. Oklahoma game. I think you got to kind of put that one aside. You had six days, and it was a, an Oklahoma team that was playing really, really well at the time. And, and, and the storm of yeah. just everything going on. Yeah, you, you were a vulnerable team. It, there was so much that went into that. that Had Nebraska won, obviously things would feel pretty good, but there, there's not a lot to take away from that one. Then you get a bye week, you get a reset. Now the last two weeks, an interim coaching staff where you were interim defensive coordinator and you still have your offensive coordinator who's been there and your interim head coach. The face value of what they've done the last two weeks is everything you want an interim program, an interim coaching staff to come in and do. There's new life. They're running things a little bit different. Their practice schedule is a little bit different. The energy is a little bit different. You've got different guys out there. You've got uh, freshmen at the corner position. Um, you've got different guys rotating on the offensive line. I still would love to not go empty set on a fourth and one, you know, and, and throw a slant. Although that's, they still should have picked it up. If it hits you in the hands, you catch the ball. That's the old rule, right? But like, there's still things that need to be fixed overall. But what you want from an interim staff is to breathe new life into the program to give the players a chance going forward. That's what we've seen the last two weeks. Things have not gone well at great portions of the games. Against Indiana, you had back-to-back touchdowns to, to end the first half. They had half of their yards on those two drives. But you saw the team then bounce back. Against Rutgers, there was the possibility of implosion in the very first quarter where it's like, okay, pump block. Casey's getting cut down in half. you got to throw Chubba back out there with his heels on the goal line again, <laughs> Yeah, um, which is its own thing. But... What did they do? They got into halftime and said, we're not out of this. It's not a 30-point game like it really feels. It's only 13. You need two drives to make this happen. And the guys believed in themselves enough, and the defense said, all right, well, we're going to try to make some plays to put you guys in a position to score. And that's what happened. You got the pick, and then the go-ahead touchdown. So there's so so much new life that you get from an interim coaching staff. It's hit and miss. This is not going to happen everywhere. Wisconsin has gone to an interim head coach who was their defensive coordinator. Wisconsin might not win another game in the conference. Like This is not something that happens all of the time. Nebraska put themselves into into an opportunity to go get two wins, be first place, sole possession of first place in the Big Ten, even if it's just for a few more hours before it's shared, by putting the new life into the program on the face value of what these two weeks are and what you want out of an interim staff. Mickey has, and I'll use a Star Trek reference here, he sat, he took the chair. He took the chair, mm-hmm. and he sat in it, and he said, okay, this is my ship now, and this is how we run the ship. This is how we do it. He didn't become the head coach and said, hey guys, we're a good team and we have a lot of talent and we believe in the staff. We're going to, you know, we just got to put our heads down. We got to work harder. We have to, no. He said, there are some things that are wrong here. 
and there are some players who aren't playing well, and there are some things we have to change. He changed the schedule. He changed the media schedule. He changed his defensive coordinator. He changed uh, how they practice. He changed the tackling within practice. They they created competition Tuesday, right? I mean, they changed how they prepare. They changed the, how the defense gets ready to play games. They've, they've changed that system. He has taken this job. And he is in, in, he hasn't said it outright, so I'm not quoting him, but his actions have spoken. I'm not the interim head coach. I'm, I'm the head coach. I'm, I'm, he, and he said, and he said actually in a press conference in terms of recruiting, he goes, we're going to recruit like we're still going to be here, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's how he's coaching. He's coaching like this is his program and he's still going to be here. He, it doesn't matter to him that he became the head coach with a one and two record, you know, a couple weeks into the season. It's, he has taken the reins of this, and I will give him all the credit in the world for doing that. I give him more credit for doing that, for taking over this program and doing things the way that he believes he see, or he believes they can win games, the way that he sees fit, more than I give him credit for beating Rutgers in Indiana. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah. Cole, that's exactly what we have to do as we're looking at it through the lens of what the interim staff is and where they came into the season. They get credit for the wins, when we then break things down and look at who the opponents were and where things are on the schedule, you kind of throw the caveats sure, in how sure. things happen. But for what you want an interim staff to do, Cole, like they they've done what you what you want an interim staff to step in and do. Yeah, look, M- Mickey Joseph is genuine. He comes off as himself. He does not appear to be trying to hide anything behind coach speak. Like no, but sometimes that, sometimes that accent gets me, and I got to be like, "Yo, I got to listen to this again." <laughs> He's not trying to hide anything, but it is not getting to my ears all the same. <laughs> no, I, that's fair. Uh, we're all fighting through it, you know. But but look, he is. You can see why he's such a good recruiter because it does not appear to be phony with him. No, um, he he is who he is, and that's that's how he's going to do things. And whether it works or not is, you know, remains to be seen long term. But obviously in the short term, he when when he when he shows the players that any of them can actually see the field because he puts Malcolm Hartzog out there as a true freshman against Indiana, that has to click in some guys' minds like, man, I wasn't you know, I was buried on the depth chart when Scott Frost was here, and I know that he wasn't going to to play me over that guy, but now maybe I do have a shot to play more. Uh, I, the the personnel after four games and 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 once the the bye week got here, the personnel wasn't going to change. The team was the team. But you've seen uh, Malcolm Hartzog. You saw Brandon Moore get an interception yesterday. Both of those guys got interceptions. As a matter of fact, uh, Brandon Moore got here like mid August from UCF <laughs> as a walk on. Uh, Tommy Hill switched positions to go play wide receiver. Uh, because they, I guess, felt like they needed some more athleticism at the position. I don't, I don't know that he actually saw snaps as wide receiver, but uh, changes number and everything. So uh, that that part of it has uh, has obviously affected some guys. They've they've, I think, pretty clearly they're playing with a different sense of purpose now. They're not they're not just on a, a grinding march towards a cliff like what it kind of felt like earlier in the season or at times maybe even uh, last season as the three and nine record was kind of coming into shape. That's, that's the part of it that Mickey Joseph has really affected. He has gotten these guys to believe he's gotten them to buy in. That part of it is hard to see. If you don't it, like Matt said, Matt seeing all these, all the press conferences, if anybody's watched every minute of every game, uh, I think you've been able to see that, if you've watched and compared to what happened in the first few games this season and games last season uh, to these last two games in particular. Uh, opponent aside, the players are just playing with a different level of self-belief. Uh, and, and that part of it is what Mickey Joseph has been able to impart on these guys. Cole, I want to hit a break, and I want to, as we, we look at now this team, 2-1 and one in the Big Ten, first place in the division, What's possible the rest of this year for them? We still got to get to Nebraska volleyball because there's a lot possible there, obviously. But anything is possible. That's Matt McMaster, Cole Stukenholtz at home. I'm Caleb Henry here in studio. Game seven, baby. Husker Hour coming back next. Game seven.
Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Rolling along here on your Saturday morning, it's the KLIN Husker Hour. Of course, if you missed any of the show before or after me saying this right now, head over to the podcast page at KLIN.com. Hit us up on the Facebook page at KLIN Huskers. Uh, we have more to come, uh, and, and we want to hit volleyball as well. Uh, let's let's uh, kind of ma- maybe wrap up the football conversation here a little bit uh, with what's possible, as you alluded to, Caleb. And and what's possible is just about anything, with <laughs> with the exception maybe of of winning that Michigan game. Uh, there are more flaws in these Big Ten West teams than I think we were aware of. As of three or four weeks ago, um, obviously Nebraska has their warts, but th- if you're looking at trajectories, uh, Nebraska might be, you know, on the right. They may be hitting their stride at the right time, while other teams are uh, dealing with some stuff, so to speak. And and Matt, you mentioned the the fact that Indiana and Rutgers are inferior opponents earlier, and I want to revisit that because I think that ties into this discussion with what's possible. Inferior? Why? I, I want to unpack that a little bit. What is the what does the term "inferior" specifically mean when you're talking about Rutgers and Indiana relative to Nebraska? Talent, talent, recruiting classes, just, just tra- talent recruiting, talent recruiting, transfers. Indiana lost, I think, close to thirty guys last year. Rutgers actually had to bring in a bunch of transfers who weren't necessarily big-name transfers, transfers who were just looking to play somewhere else or just looking to play in general. So, yeah, just in terms of inferior, talent, pure okay. talent. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't think anybody would disagree there. Here's here's the part where I'm going to justify my preseason thought on Nebraska's record, you know, regardless of how many, quote-unquote, inferior opponents may have been on the schedule. Uh, Nebraska has had more talent than these teams. Yeah, in the Big Ten, uh, with the with the exception of some East Division foes, that hasn't mattered up until this coaching change. It was not about talent; it was about coaching. Tom Allen and Greg Schiano had the advantage over Scott Frost. Had he still been coaching those games, I don't think there's any question what the outcome would have been. Mickey Joseph, I think it remains to be seen, but he got him. I mean, the the proof is in the scoreboard for those two. And when you talk about the matchups that they have coming up with Purdue, Illinois, Minnesota, Illinois, I think is all of a sudden going to be the uh, the most difficult opponent left on that schedule. Now, two of those three you get at home, uh, with the exception being the next one against Purdue, where you go out to West Lafayette. Uh, and Jeff Brom's a good coach, uh, but I think Mickey Joseph has maybe closed the gap in terms of the coaching matchup, uh, where that talent that Nebraska has, the talent advantage that I think everybody thinks they have is able to shine through now that you marry that with the belief that they can win. You marry that with the the self-inventory that they took and knowing where their strengths and weaknesses are and tailoring the game plan and the schedule throughout the week and the way that Mickey is coaching them differently. You're now tailoring that to that talent so that it can shine through and be that advantage where you can be the superior opponent not just in terms of the talent rankings and whatnot, but also in how you execute out on the field. That's the edge that Nebraska may have found in making that coaching change. Yeah, it's it's the things that, that Mickey's brought to the program as the interim head coach. There's that breath of fresh life. There's there's the the confidence level and the optimism, what he's done to this program from a mental side of things. So that's the part where, okay, you have to go through. Offensive line has to keep Casey Thompson upright. He can't keep getting sawed in half every three plays. Even if it's a even if it's a late hit, you got to find someone who's there to pick your quarterback up. There, there was no one around when when Casey did get the uh, picked up the roughing the passer. You have got to have a, a run game that's sustainable in any way. Like you've got to find a way to not have the the play calling on third and one where someone's in motion, you can't even get to the mesh, you don't know who's supposed to get the ball, and you lose a yard. You can't have the fourth and one, and even though you had just a few plays before, Anthony Grant take a man's soul on the sideline, 
and then you don't even have him out on the field to just try to run up the middle for one yard. If you're going to go for it, use your best dudes. Um, defensively, you've got to find something in the middle that sticks. Colton Feast had a little bit uh, go right for him last night. You had stuff go right for Ty Robinson against Indiana. The the secondary making improvements, but still young, still inexperienced. There's going to be times that they get beat over the top and they don't even have their head turned around to know that the ball's coming. The linebackers have got to fly around and not miss tackles, fight through holds if they have to. There's a lot on the field that has to happen, but because of the belief that this team has, and we know the talent, Matt, that they have, these games, and I put it in my story last night, five of these final six are suddenly a lot more gettable than they were a month ago. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you were... So I'm looking at the ESPN predictor here on on all these games. I don't think Nebraska... Or Nebraska is not... Uh, the, the highest percentage they have to win one of these games is 40%. Okay? That makes so, sense. That's fair. And, and that's fair. And this is where you really see, okay, these last three weeks, these last three weeks that Mickey Joseph has seemed to turn the program, I wouldn't say around, but on the right direction, we see how much of that is going to come to fruition. We see how much of that really, really, really meant. Okay, And I think that, you're absolutely right. Like Purdue is a good team. Purdue beat Minnesota. Uh, they lost. They lost earlier in the year to Penn State. Um, they're 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 good. Illinois is a good team. Minnesota is a good team. Michigan's a good team. All these teams are good teams. And we're going to see what is going to happen there. But I think the, the 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 really funny thing is, and it's funny how life comes at you so quickly like this. I would have told you a couple weeks ago, probably week one, my worry about these next six games aren't necessarily what what the, the first three quarters are going to be. It's going to be, all right, I think we'll be close, but what's going to happen in the fourth quarter? Now my mindset <laughs> is, well, you know what? If we could just stay close and just get to the fourth <laughs> quarter, I don't know, man. The witching hour is real. Wins turn to losses. You don't know. like If we can just stay within these teams be tough, make adjustments and go in and try to try to sneak one out against at least a couple of them that I'll feel more comfortable, you know, or I, you know. So I I think it'll be incredibly interesting what happens and it is really it's I used to say murderers bro was Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa. How this how the season even, is even Minnesota before. Well, that. well how the, the season is Yeah. yeah. How the season has turned out, though, I would say it's extended to Purdue because Purdue's good, Illinois is good, Minnesota's good, Michigan is good. If Mickey Joseph is going to end up being the head coach of this team, if he goes three and three, I think that might be good enough. So there, there's every opportunity that over this last stretch, Purdue, Illinois is your toughest back to back. Mm-hmm. Like look, looking, which is crazy to say, yeah, but it's the, absolutely right. Looking at the schedule. That said, remember when we were talking bowl eligibility at the beginning of the sure, year? And sure. Don't look now, guys. Don't let them get hot. But halfway yeah, yeah. there, yeah, we were saying six and two by November. You got to be, you got to be six and two by Halloween because you don't know what what you're even going to have in the tank in November against those teams. How do you say it? Halloween. 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 Like a, Halloween. Like, it's Hall. It's Hall. Hall. You said Hull. You said Halloween. Like Evan Hull. That's sorry. A, sorry. <laughs> Continue. Get out of here, Chicago. <laughs> My bad. Northwestern uh, PTSD. There. Dude, right. <laughs> sorry. Um. So when you're looking at what you want this team to be, that's still out there. Even though on on paper the way the teams have performed through the first half of this season, Purdue Illinois may be your toughest back to back, but they're not impossible. At the beginning of the year, we were looking at getting four wins in November as impossible. Two is still going to be pretty tough there, guys. But you can go into November five and three. This is where I'm starting to feel a little bit of optimism because of the talent that Nebraska has, because there's a bye week thrown in there that you're going to have some time to rest up before the Illinois game. You get a night game in West Lafayette this next weekend, so Nebraska's got plenty has like extra time to prepare. Yeah, to go all the way through to that after having a short week here, the optimism side of me is saying you could be five and three going into that last stretch. The realistic side of me says you're probably you probably split these next two. 
You're probably four and four going into November. The realistic side of the you? The realistic side I of me. I would say says, the realistic side of me says you lose both games. No, the realistic side of me says you split them. Really? Especially coming out of a bye week extra time. Bye weeks in the past have not been great for Nebraska Cole. I know this, and I know you were going to say that. But yeah. but with this team having that extra time to prepare through a bye week for Brett Bielema's Illinois team, I think that that, that bodes well that you're going to be four and four going into November and finding a way to beat a we'll see what they come out like today um, w- w- Wisconsin. What are they going to look like? Is it going to be Leonard completely losing? Losing what the team's going to look like going forward because there were guys tweeting out that they loved Paul Chris and if you wanted Chris gone, you're not part of the team. His 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 best player did that. Yeah. So so you've got that. I think we chalk up the Michigan one as a loss, but at that point, who knows? Because sure. college football's dumb, right? Sure. And then, um, well, and you have uh, you have the Minnesota game before that, and without their best running back, they are such a different team. Not to say that Minnesota still couldn't beat, still couldn't run past Nebraska by two touchdowns because of the rest of their running game and their offensive line, but they don't have as good of a quarterback as you were hoping they were going to have to lead their program coming into this year because Tanner Morgan came back. Without their running back, they're such a different team. And then you get to Iowa, and you have to wonder if if your offense can just not give up points to their defense, you're going to be in the game because their offense is not going to beat you. Guys, a, at this point in the season, you're halfway there. A bowl game is so much more realistic than it felt two games into the year. I I think you're I think you're drinking something that we would call Kool Aid, and I, I no no no. I'm saying I'm saying realistic and possible. I'm not saying they're gonna, think, they're going to end up eight and four. I think I think re, okay, fair enough. Realistically, they they pick up one they one of these next five. Wisconsin, Michigan, Minnesota, Illinois, Purdue. They pick up one of them. And then I think Iowa's a coin flip. Oh, so you're, so you're saying 4-8 and eight to 5-7 and seven is where they're, they're still at the rest of this year? Yeah. Cole, how are you feeling the rest of the year? So I, th- this is kind of what I was thinking. Just thinking about the, the teams that are left on the schedule, in terms of ranking them, like which ones are the easiest opponent, the, 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 maybe the best matchups, the best situations, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think Michigan, probably the worst scenario for Nebraska. After that is Illinois. And after that is Minnesota in my mind. Mm-hmm. And then Purdue, Iowa, Wisconsin. I, I don't really, I mean, Purdue, I don't know exactly what to think of them. Uh, they, they're well coached. And I think Jeff Brom's going to have a pretty good plan and they're going to be at home. Uh, Wisconsin is an absolute dice throw. I, I have no idea what we're going to see by the time late November rolls around with that squad. You guys kind of laid out the the situation there. Same with Iowa. Uh, they can't do anything offensively. Uh, I don't know how Nebraska is going to score uh, if Casey Thompson can be kept upright with that offensive line, but I don't know how Iowa is going to score either. So that one might be an even lower scoring game than the one we saw yesterday. <laughs> here's Here's what I'm thinking when I'm evaluating what Nebraska has left. You take the FPI that, that ESPN has trying to predict things. You can take the, the, the lines in Vegas. Like Everything changed when Nebraska made that coaching change. Whatever happened earlier in the season, whatever you may be basing on last season, Nebraska's got talent, as we all agree, and now they're starting to figure out how to make it work on the field and not have the coaching be a detriment. And so that coaching matchup kind of evens the score in a lot of these situations now, where Jeff Brom or Brett Bielema or P.J. Fleck would have had the upper hand against Scott Frost. I don't know that they do against Mickey Joseph. And with superior talent, presumably on Nebraska's side, health permitting, there's a lot of injuries that we could touch on here uh, (laughs) that happened yesterday. uh, That has... Kind of, I, I, I'm more on the side of Caleb now um, compared to, to Matt. You know, one, one and five, two and four down the road. Uh, I, I don't certainly could see that happen, but I think I may be skewing a bit more towards, hey, you can get three of these next six and actually make a bowl game. Uh, I, I think <sighs> they have tipped the scales that much just from what they've been able to show in tight game situations uh, and, and battling through adversity. Uh, overcoming injuries everywhere on the field, new personnel, all of those things I think have leveled the playing field for Nebraska's last few opponents. And I do think 
in in the words of Kevin Garnett, anything is possible, Matt. I just don't see it. I don't see three wins. I'm just looking at. I just don't. I just can't find it. I just can't find it. I'm in the dark. I'm I'm looking. I'm looking for my socks. I'm looking for a shirt. I can't. I just can't find no, it. No, that's fine. You're seeing the possibility at two, but you, you more you more likely see one, and that's where we're at. You know, the, the, we're, yeah. We're all, there's we're different views. Different. There's different views. I just. I, I like how happy you guys are compared to where you were after the Georgia Southern game. I'm very I'm very happy to see that. That's that's my that's my last comment. <laughs> yeah, and hey, I was five and seven guy before the year. You were Cole. Now Cole, I'm thinking Cole, six. Cole, you and might six. be a genius, honestly. If you if they wow. end up being five and seven, you were the, he was the only one on that hill, really. Well, I picked I, Northwestern to beat Nebraska, and Jack called me a hater. And then Jack's over here picking Indiana to beat Nebraska on the tailgate. And he picked Rutgers yesterday. And I, well, I was on the same boat. Pot kettle. Jeez, Jack. All right. Uh, let's take one more break. Uh, we got to hit volleyball. Uh, they've got a rank opponent tonight uh, on the road. Um, they're going to have a lot of ranked opponents down the stretch here. It's going to be a fun finish to Nebraska volleyball schedule. Uh, but they got uh, another single-digit set. Uh, against an opponent Gee, thanks, earlier lady. this week too. So yeah, Gee, thanks. Uh, yeah, we'll be back uh, back right after this. To wrap things up here on the KLIN Husker Hour, giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, fourteen hundred and ninety nine three KLIN. Nebraska volleyball in action later tonight, six o'clock with the first serve against Michigan. They're out in Ann Arbor and uh, Nebraska coming off another sweep in conference play. Michigan State uh, was on Thursday. Uh, it's the second time Nebraska has swept the Spartans this season. But uh, even though Michigan got swept by Minnesota yesterday, uh, Michigan ranked opponent. Caleb, there's a lot of these uh, ranked opponents coming down the line here uh, for Nebraska as they uh, roll through Big Ten play. Uh, still 13-1 and on the season. Uh, but uh, maybe a test on the road tonight? Well, and you're wrapping up a four-game road swing. You went to the East Coast. You had uh, Rutgers and Maryland the week before. Had had to go four sets with Maryland because they, they stole one. Um, and the Terrapins looked pretty good uh, for the most part for what they've been as a program. And in Nebraska... That that's been an issue getting getting up two zero and then not finishing teams off. That didn't happen on Thursday with Michigan State. You got up two zero and then said we're not going to let you guys get to double digits, um, <laughs> as as Jack Mitchell and I like to call that a G thanks lady. Um, mm-hmm. When you go back to the old uh, old what was it was it Pepsi or Coke commercial with uh, with Mean Joe Green. Pepsi. Pepsi. Or no, no. Mean Joe Green's Coke. Yeah, yeah Coke. It's the yeah, yeah, kid yeah. gives him a Coke and he tosses him a I saw that. Tosses him I the saw jersey. That. Oh, Joe. gee, thanks, mister. Joe yeah. Green's a Steeler, right? Yes, he yeah. was Pittsburgh yeah. Steeler. Okay. Yeah, so, so yeah, that's our gee, thanks, lady, if you hold him to single digits. So if you ever see us talk about that's that great. or tweet about that, that's the, ref- like that. that's the reference that we are making that apparently only we understand, and it's it's for us. We are our own demo. Um, but, it, <laughs> but it happened on Thursday, and it's happened a couple times this season because Nebraska's defense is, is absolutely insane. Like, you're going up there, Caitlin Horde, Becca Alec, and then Whitney Lonstein comes flying in there. Every now and then, the, the 6-2 runs out of subs, and Kennedy Orr has to be in the front row, and she gets a block. Like, what, what are you doing against this team defensively? Because then, if anything gets passed, you've got Lexi Rodriguez and Kenzie Knuckles, and everyone's just taking care of business, and all of this is still without Nicklin Hames. So you go into a ranked matchup tonight, and Nebraska's only lost one match on the season, and... Obviously, it was to a uh, a ranked team, but in this league, it doesn't matter ranked or unranked. We have seen a lot of unranked teams actually sweep some of the ranked teams, so you have to be on it every single night. It's been a long week and a half for Nebraska volleyball with all this travel um, on the East Coast and then this swing through Michigan. You have to hope that, especially for your young players, they're still locked in. They've still got that juice before they do come home. Because you got to be on it tonight, like like you've got to be on it. It's going to be on Big Ten Plus. It'll be over on B one zero seven three. Six o'clock is the first serve. Five thirty the pregame. Get over there with with John Baylor and Lauren Cook West. But you have to be on it as a team. And John Cook is one of those that you don't have to worry about whether or not he's going to have his team prepared to play. The only thing you have to worry about is he's had such talented recruiting classes, and you have so many freshmen and sophomores playing. And first time really getting their run with, say, like an Ani Evans, who's a junior, 
you got to hope that they can still continue to hold it together through this road trip before they come home, by the way, next Friday at home against Penn State, who without <laughs> Russ Rose was supposed to be like, okay, they're going to take a giant step back. They're not. Like, they went and got some people. Caitlin Horde played at Penn State. Like, she would have been part of a still pretty good team just with a different coaching staff. So, yeah, you, 6 o'clock tonight, that's definitely going to be one that you want to have on. Even if you've got the college football on and you just pop up JB and Lauren Cook-West and just listen to the match, um, you, you're going to want to pay attention to that because things can get weird at the end of a road trip, and I hope that they don't. Yeah. Uh, eight, eight of the eight of these last fifteen matches, Matt, uh, against ranked teams, they finish up with Ohio State on the road, Purdue, Wisconsin, Minnesota at home, uh, a murderer's road to end the season. So that uh, last like said, that Caleb, last weekend is, is, is so kind of good. The end of that that road stretch, uh, four games in a row. They've got another one, uh, three games in a row on the road in a little bit. But um, and just in in terms of the schedule and the opponents, uh, we're, we're we're talking inferior. Uh, not not as often uh, with volleyball because <laughs> sure. they're all they're all really really good in the Big Ten. Now, when you talk recruiting classes, it's all inferior to it, what. It, yeah, <laughs> but I, you know what? I do think there is something to worry about here a little bit with fatigue. I mean, yeah. right? Like when you're playing, they're going to be playing in in a lot of sets come the end of the season, and that's not a knock on them. That's because the opponents that they're playing. The last time they played Ohio State. Went to five sets. You know, you got Purdue, you got Wisconsin twice, you got Minnesota at the very end of the season, Ohio State, you're playing uh, Penn State and Michigan back to back. I mean, it's going to, and it's all, it's all not like elongated. This is going to happen over the next six weeks. I mean, it's a lot of matches, it's a lot of ranked opponents, it's a lot of good teams. You, you worry a little bit, and it's a little bit like the Big Ten. Go in basketball, you worry a little bit going into the tournament just because you're so fatigued, right? All these teams in basketball are trying to win the Big Ten. They're all slogging it out against each other, playing these long, very competitive games. Once they come to the tournament, you see more often times than not, Big Ten basketball kind of fades away because a lot of these teams, they don't have juice. None of them ran through each other. They had a lot of long games they had to play. The same thing can be said for volleyball. I mean, you have all these, and it's not just Nebraska, right? Like, Purdue and Wisconsin and Minnesota, they have to play us, and they have to play the you know each other, and they have to play all these different teams. So if you're looking at it big picture, if you're looking at it in terms of national championship aspirations, which is exactly what this team should have, I'd be a little bit worried with the schedule and these and, and all these really good teams I have to play and the fatigue it might and might cause my team to have, or you know if you're John Cook thinking in that way. But it's a good team. It's great volleyball. I'll, I'll, I've been watching a couple more games, so we'll, we'll we're, see. We're getting, we're getting you on the bandwagon. It was on Big Ten Plus the other day, so yeah. I was just kind of well, like, and, Meh. on the Why fatigue not? really quick before we before we wrap things up. The benefit Nebraska has is they have a lot of players who can play. You saw Macy Bozager go in and serve like five points in a row um, the other night. Obviously, we're not going to see her go in as a setter, as a true freshman, but you still haven't been playing Nicklin Hames. Allie Batenhorst has been in and out of the lineup. There's a lot that sets up for this team to still have fresh legs when they hit tournament time. That last weekend is at home. And yeah, that's hope, big. Hope that you get the first couple rounds at home, Cole. Yes, absolutely. Uh, all right, well, that's going to do it for us, for Matt McMaster and Caleb Henry and for Kenny Larrabee there in the studio getting the Facebook Live going. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Nebraska, two wins since the last time we took the air. Uh, we're on next Saturday since it's a night kickoff for Purdue at 630. Uh, so we'll have you covered for all the pregame festivities there. Uh, be sure to tune in next weekend uh, with us on that. Uh, volleyball over on B107.3 starting at 530 tonight. Uh, Until then, enjoy the football today. Go Big Red.